The reading is from Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent them some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, ill-treated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, both good and bad. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to see the guests, he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. Friend, he asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, our Father, that we are invited to the wedding banquet. We pray that you help us to understand its true significance and how we can respond rightly. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Why doesn't the gospel make more of an impact? Why doesn't the news of Jesus get received by more people? We know it's important, don't we? We know it's good news. And yet, many people seem unmoved by it. I guess if you guys are at college or at work, you'll know that Actually, Christians are not in the majority. Maybe we're along this evening and we wouldn't call ourselves a Christian. And one of the reasons we're not is because we think to ourselves, if it was that important, surely more people would be following Jesus. Or maybe we are a Christian and we just find it hard to keep going. We find it hard to keep sharing the gospel when we know many people don't see its true significance. Well, in this passage tonight, Matthew shows us why the gospel has the impact it does. Uh, We're looking at something called a parable. We've looked at a couple uh, these last two weeks. And a parable is a story that gets our imagination firing to understand a message. And in this passage, as we've heard in our fabulous game tonight, I must say, uh, that there's an invitation and a response. And we see here why the gospel has the impact it does. Uh, We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at uh, the invitation, first of all. Uh, Then we're going to look at uh, the first way to respond, Um, first way to reject, sorry, 
not coming. And then the second way to reject, not changing. So first of all, what is the invitation? What is this whole thing about that we've been hearing? Well, have a look at verse 2 with me. Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. Now, hopefully it isn't too tricky to work out what this story is about. There's a king, God, and there's the king's son, Jesus, and this king and this son are throwing a wedding banquet, a wedding party. Now, I know a lot of us aren't old enough to probably to go to weddings. Uh, who of us been to a wedding reception? Not many? Oh, no, few. We're just a bit slow off the mark. There we are. Uh, so, quite a few of us have been to a wedding reception. Wedding receptions are like the best meal you can possibly imagine. Um, I joke with my wife, Claire, that uh, our wedding reception was the most expensive meal I've ever bought. And do you know what? I didn't eat a thing because I was so nervous about giving a talk uh, after my um, kind of groom speech after the dinner. And so every wedding I go to now, I make sure I get my money's worth, asking for plate after plate. You get all the drinks in little separate glasses. It's really cool. And then when the evening buffet comes out, you think, I can't eat another thing, but you always do. See, wedding parties are the best party you can imagine. People book days off. People travel across the world to go to them. And this is the image Jesus uses of what it means to know God, of what it means to be with him. See, Jesus could have used lots of images, couldn't he? He could have used the image of an exam. Being with God is a bit like sitting an exam. Or being with God is like going for a a long run. I know we quite enjoy long runs, but some of us don't, most of us don't. But actually, Jesus uses this image of a party, of a wedding party. I wonder how you often imagine the gospel. Maybe you think, it's calling me to give up my life. Actually, to become a Christian is to just have a bit of a boring life and a bit of a dull time. God stops all my fun. But actually, it's completely different, isn't it? See, God says, come to the wedding banquet of my son. Come, enjoy this party. So if it's that good, if the offer we bring to the world as a church is so good, why do people not accept it? Well, first we see here one reason people reject. See, what's the response to this invitation? Well, look at verse 3. The king sends his servants to those who've been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refuse to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, tell those who have been invited to, that I've prepared my dinner. But verse 5, they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Now, um, I don't know if you know much about wedding invites in the ancient world, but they work slightly different to how they work today. I know you won't have seen one of these. Um, this, uh, in the olden days, we used to use paper and uh, send things through post. And uh, what it was, was an invite to say, could you come to my wedding? And in the ancient world, that was the main invitation. Uh, the person would send out invites to their whole neighborhood and say, would you come to my wedding? And then people would reply yes or no. 
And then a second invitation would then go out, saying to people, well, the food's ready, now come along. And it's this second invitation we're talking about here. See, notice these people are those who have been invited. They've already said yes. And now the king gets the food ready, he's slaughtered the cattle, he's got the wine out, and yet people decide not to come. Their response, verse 6, they seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. That seems a bit extreme, doesn't it, that the king reacts this way? But this is a story about Israel and what it meant for Jesus to come to them. See, they had been invited to come into a relationship with God. And they did. They said yes. But the thing is, once Jesus came, well, then they didn't want to know him. And worse still, they plotted to kill him and destroyed him. See, they wanted the relationship with God without Jesus. They wanted the prestige and the power that came with being God's people, but they didn't want to know God's Son. And it's very easy to encounter that same response today. I know uh, I'm often tempted to it. When we hear Jesus and the difficult things He says, it can be so easy to say, no, I'm not going to respond. See, this is a response where people don't want to come to the kingdom if it means coming to Jesus. But interesting, there's a second way that people reject here, and here's where I want to focus. Because what does God do when he's insulted like this? Well, yes, he destroys their city, but he goes on, verse 8, he told his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. Go into the street corners and invite to the banquet everyone, anyone you can find. So they went out into the streets and gathered all the people they can find. Now, I know a lot of us have not yet got one of the uh, COVID vaccines. I have, because I'm old enough. Uh, And um, the cool thing about the vaccines is that any surplus is kind of offered to anyone who's kind of walking past. So you've got to be careful walking past a vaccine center, or you might get jabbed in the arm. Uh, Someone told me a story about how their place of work invited their friends and family to come and get all the surplus vaccine. And apparently 3,000 people descended on this one hospital. And it's right, isn't it? Because we know the vaccine is so crucial that actually, of course, we want to offer it to everyone. And God does something similar here. God's still going to have a party. God's still going to organize this banquet. And if people are too good for it, well, God will just take that invitation to others. Now, I wonder how you expect this to finish. See, I thought I was going to finish at this point and say, isn't God great? He invites us to his banquet and many people come. And indeed, in verse 10, it does say that the whole hall was filled. But then we get this kind of awkward bit in verse 11, where the king comes into the guests. And there he noticed a man who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asks him, how did you get in here without wedding clothes? Uh, And then the man doesn't say anything. 
And then the king tells them to bind him and cast him out of the wedding. Now, what's going on there? Why is the parable finished this way? Well, clothes, he's talking about there, he doesn't mean um, kind of top hat and tails, which you might wear to a wedding. Um, well, I don't think people wear top hats anymore, but we wear our formal clothes. He's not talking about those sort of clothes. He's talking about clean clothes. See, even if you were poor in the ancient world, you would have a set of clothes for working and a set of clothes for formal occasions. And the working clothes were dirty, the formal occasion clothes were clean. Um, Bear with me on this. I've got here some of my favorite jeans in the world. Just check these out. I'm not going to show you the size. It's too big. Um, Oh, goodness, what fell out? Oh, it's an old tissue. Lovely. Uh, (laughs) That adds to the effect. So um, you'll notice I've got some... This isn't fashion, by the way. These are uh, stains from my uh, decorating. And um, I use these jeans uh, for decorating... Uh, they're very, very old. I think these are from school even, university or something like that. You can tell by the, um, the width. Basically, jeans have gone skinny in the meantime, and they've gone back out. That's how old they are. But you'll see they're full of paint marks. They're ripped. They're tatty at the bottom. These are great for decorating, great for work in the garden. But if I turned up to someone's wedding in these, well, you may have something to say. If I turned up to lead a funeral... Well, it's potentially quite offensive, isn't it? And this man here in this parable turns up in his decorating jeans. He doesn't get changed. Now, what's going on there? Well, this man doesn't change a thing, even though he's come to the wedding. See, this man doesn't want to let the news about Jesus filter down into his life. So it's important to hear this right. Jesus does give us free entry into the kingdom. Uh, Jesus comes and gives us a place that we don't deserve by his grace. But actually that message should filter down into our lives and change. Uh, Here's what Jesus says at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus doesn't say whoever hears these words. He says whoever hears these words and puts them into practice. See, this man doesn't do that. He turns up to the wedding thinking, it doesn't matter. I just say, yeah, I'm part of this wedding party. But the king comes to him and finds him out. See, this is a different type of rejection, isn't it? See, the first type of rejection says, no, thank you, I'm not having Jesus, I'm not coming to this party. They don't want to come. But this sort of rejection is more subtle, isn't it? Because this is someone who wants to come, but doesn't want to change. Now, I guess lots of us are asking all sorts of questions, and please do fire them to me uh, in a moment. We're thinking... Do I have to be a certain level of cleanness to get into the kingdom? Do I have to be, uh, keep up a certain type of level? But actually, this parable isn't saying that at all. Remember, it's the invitation that brings this, these people in. Rather, it is warning us not to change, uh, the danger of not changing. 
but it also points to the how we get into this wedding banquet. See, right at the end, this man is bound, he's cast out, and it seems a bit strange. But then we read on a couple of chapters, and we see that that is what happens to Jesus. He is treated like the rejected one, so that we may be brought in. See, Jesus was treated like an imposter. He was bound hand and foot, nailed to a wooden cross. He was kicked outside. He was crucified outside the city. He did face the darkness of his father's anger. And as Jesus was treated like that, as he was forsaken, as he was rejected, well, it meant that you and me could come and be part of this wonderful party. Not because we can clean ourselves up, not because of our own performance, but because he has done everything necessary to bring us in to this party. And by trusting him, we too can be there with these others. Coming back to that question at the beginning, why doesn't the gospel have more impact? Well, it's not a problem with the message, is it? See, the message is wonderful. It's come to this huge party. The problem is with us. As we think that we're too good and we don't need to come, or that we're too unmoved to change. But wonderfully, this invitation goes out wide to all of us. And any one of us who responds to Jesus can have absolute confidence of being there in him. Let's pray as we finish. Father, thank you so much for this invitation. Thank you, Father, that we, while we do not deserve it, you wonderfully go out and find people like us. And we pray that we would be those not who reject it, but those who accept and are absolutely confident in it. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for lots and lots of questions. Hopefully we'll get through as, as many as possible. Okay. Um, the first one we've got here is, um, sometimes I choose not to come to Jesus even though I believe in him. Does this mean actually I don't believe? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for a great question. Um, it depends what you mean by not coming to him. Um, if you mean by that you don't always ask Jesus for, you know, don't come to him in prayer, uh, you don't always lean on him as you should, well, man, I mean, all of us uh, are in the position uh, where we don't do that. Uh, so, no, I don't think it means, um, you know, it's not saying uh, if you sort of try to live for Jesus, but you forget to pray to him one day or something, that's it, it's over. It's not saying that. Um, but if you mean by that, I've, I've not come to Jesus, as in I've not recognized him as Lord, I've not repented, as in turned round from my life on my own way and come to him, well, actually, if we haven't done that, that's a good indication of what we believe. And actually, um, that's a more serious uh, sort of question. So, no, if, you don't, if you're a follower of Jesus, um, he covers your sins both now and forever, wonderfully. So don't over, you know, don't get too worried off the back of this. But if you haven't come to him, well, um, the, you've got to ask what do you believe about him. Is that okay?
Yeah, following Come. that, we've got... Um, do you think the man with the dirty clothes is a warning for those who say they believe in Jesus but don't change their life? Yeah, I think it is a warning. Um, I think we've got to think, what do we mean by change in life? So what is it Jesus wants us to do? And in chapter 11, he says to the crowds, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, my yoke's easy, my load is light. So Jesus isn't asking us to do loads of extra things. He's just asking us to come to him, uh, to trust in him. Um, just remind me of the question again. Uh, so that was uh, the one where, uh, oh, I've lost it because you jumped it, around. No, sorry, no, that's no, uh, whether the, 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 the man with the dirty clothes, is, is it a warning, like saying, well, he, he's come, but he hasn't changed, you know? Is that oh, I see, yes. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's quite like that. So, when, when we talk about change, so the word repent means to turn 180 degrees away from Jesus to Jesus. So, the actual word means to change mind, to see that actually Jesus isn't just some figure, but actually he's the Lord of the universe. And once we do that, well, Jesus promises us full forgiveness. And I think the man hasn't done that bit of work. So he's not saying he's done that, but he hasn't kind of got up to a second uh, mark or anything like that. I think it's just saying he's been unmoved. He wants to go to the party, but he doesn't want to have Jesus. There are two questions here on uh, what does it mean to change, which you've kind of started to touch on. Yeah. Um, talking about you know, we can't stop sinning, that's impossible. Um, and I guess sort of clarification on how do we know that we've really changed? Yeah, so really helpful. This isn't saying, um, you might think you want to come to Jesus, but if you haven't done enough stuff, well, forget it. It's not saying that at all, because we're forgiven purely by Jesus and his unmerited forgiveness towards us. So that's really important to emphasize. Um, Yes, so to, what does it mean to change? It means to, to trust Jesus, to, to put all my weight on him, to change my mind where I'm living my life for me and to recognize him uh, as Lord. Um, yes, it won't mean that you suddenly stop sinning. The New Testament makes that very clear that actually if we say that we're without sin, well, we're deceiving ourselves and deceiving others. But it will mean that everything we do in life is under him. And we recognize that. Yeah, speaking of sort of accepting Jesus, there's a question here about um, if you reject your first invitation, do you get a second chance? Um, I want to say yes, but I don't want to say yes. Uh, I want to say yes in the sense of God is much more gracious than I am. Of course, he doesn't just give us one opportunity to hear uh, and that's it. Uh, he does give us more than one opportunity. But that is not something we should presume on. So there's other parables uh, about people who think that they can kind of um, live for themselves now, and a bit later on, they'll kind of do a deathbed conversion. But actually, God says that actually that's the foolish way because you don't know when the end will come. And so the gospel comes with a sense of urgency that actually once you hear the invitation, you should respond. Now, you don't, yeah, does that mean that, you know, if you don't respond tonight, that's it, you, you know, forget it? I don't think it does. But it also means that we shouldn't presume 
on God's patience and God's kindness, even though he is patient and kind. I'm going to squeeze in one more. Good. Kind of links <laughs> to, um, well, it kind of links to the question that you had at the beginning and at the end of your talk, which was, um, well, the question here says, how do we make the invitation appear more exciting? Yeah, great question. Really question. I thought that was exciting to talk about my wedding, but uh, perhaps you didn't. There we go. Um, I think it's passages like this um, to say, I wonder if you realize how heaven's described. It's described as a banquet. Now, banquet sounds a bit medieval, doesn't it? So we have to kind of translate it uh, to a party. Party sounds a bit like your dad speaking, um, whatever you call it, disco or something like that. <laughs> but Sorry, probably unhelpful image. But yeah, I think to be positive about uh, what God's called us to. Someone speaking about the uh, wedding in Cana that Jesus comes to uh, says, remember that Jesus turned water into wine, not wine into water. And I think that's helpful to remember. Now, the reason it's so good is not that we're all just going to have a party without the host, but the host is going to be there. And the best thing about this party is God uh, himself. Uh, but it's a party nonetheless. Great. As ever, we had more questions than time allowed. Oh, wow, well, we out. But, uh, I think, uh, I imagine it's going into a bank of questions which will be hopefully addressed. Can I just say on the introvert thing? Because sure. that, that was yeah, related, yeah. wasn't it? Because I think some of us introverts are thinking, I don't like the sound of a party. Um, but this is, <laughs> which I not, I, yeah, it's a hilarious question because I hadn't thought of that. But just say, I think it's an introvert-friendly party. So there'll be some sort of side rooms where you can uh, get some time out as well. <laughs> but thank you for that question. Yeah. Great. It'll be good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.